passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our UFC 263 preview show. I am John Pollock, and I have not come solo today. We have the one-two punch of the MMA coverage here at postwrestling.com. I'm talking about Phil Chertok. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, John. I'm doing even better now that I'm talking to you. And joining us as well, the man behind everything MMA on the site, Eric Marcotte is with us. Eric, how are you? I'm fantastic and uh, happy to be here today. How does it feel, Eric, that after years now, Waiting has finally nailed your name? He's starting to finally enter this groove where he is he has learned and and moved on. So we we have all caught up now. I feel uh, I feel fulfilled. Like you know, all, all these years of hard work, uh, be, being a patron, they, they finally paid off, and ways learned my name. Yes. Uh, Absolutely no thanks to you who never pointed this out to us. It had to be a third party that informed us after years that we have been mispronouncing the man's name. But I never are. would have either. So it's, it's all. But it just gone on forever, literally forever. Phil, I am pronouncing your name correct, right? After all these years. Uh, why don't you say it and then I'll let you know. <laughs> well, I won't lie. Okay. Before we started yeah. doing these shows, I had never said your last name before ever. You're just Phil. I had never any reason to say hi, Phil. Chair talk. Now, am I? Is it chair talk? share talk so th this is a great question because uh, actually when i was growing up i would actually pronounce it cheer talk i don't know why i would pronounce it that way because i don't know if my parents ever said it like that but then i later learned about the history of it mm -hmm. and uh the most accurate would probably be share talk as share. if share oh, wow. had a talk show so that that yeah that yeah but uh, but uh, honestly, I, I I hardly notice how people pronounce it so many different ways. It's not a terribly common last name, so it, it's all fine to me. I, I don't take offense to it in the slightest when somebody says it incorrectly. So literally, after twenty years of friendship, I'm glad that you have clarified that. <laughs> we are here to chat about uh, what is a pretty interesting card from the UFC on Saturday night. It's a pretty packed weekend of MMA, uh, but. You know, kind of front and center is UFC 263 that is going to feature a pair of championship rematches plus the return of Nate Diaz. I'm going to start it off with you, Phil. What is what jumps off of this card at you as the biggest story going into 263? I think the biggest story for this one is how is Israel Adesanya going to bounce back after his first uh, MMA defeat when he moved up to 205 pounds to challenge Jan Blokowicz for the uh, light heavyweight title. Um, so I think that's the biggest story on this card. But it is a card full of uh, plenty of stories, including, as you mentioned, the return of Nate Diaz, uh, a return, you know, uh, 
second helping of what was uh, to many the fight of the year last year. Um, and uh, maybe Damian Maya's last fight. That's kind of my little uh, intrigue on this one. It would seem, Eric, that, I mean, this Devison Figueredo, Brandon Moreno fight, I think that could very well be the fight that we are all raving about on Saturday night. Uh, going into it, it's, to me, kind of flying under the radar, but I think, like, if you've been following the embedded, like, you can see that there's certainly a built-up uh, animosity, at least on Figueredo's part, and I think that this is probably as action-packed a flyweight fight as the UFC could put together. I guess it's just a question of whether it's getting that kind of attention going into this card where you are underneath kind of Israel Adesanya and Nate Diaz as kind of your A-list players on this card. Uh, Yeah, man, I am super excited for that fight. Um, Their first fight in December of last year was arguably the best flyweight fight of all time. Certainly the greatest title fight. I mean, we have to acknowledge going into that, neither Figueredo nor Moreno were likely at the peak of their abilities they both had just fought on the pay-per-view prior short training camp uh, Figueredo was sick before the fight so I'm really interested to see uh how this one goes now that they've had their full camps and the situation is a bit more uh normal yeah I would say like there were a lot of mitigating factors uh affecting each man's performance in that last fight and I mean, you take out that that point deduction, I think most would have uh, seen Figueredo retaining the championship. But I think, Phil, when you have these two that now have five rounds of experience with one another and you add on five plus months of preparation, um, I mean, do you just look at Figueredo here as the overall much better fighter? Or do you look at the fact that uh, Brandon Moreno has surprised us a lot throughout his career and I think has somewhat been underestimated from his days on tough uh, right up until this championship fight and if he would have been ready for Figueredo to go five rounds with him yeah I I think uh, I'm certainly guilty of underestimating him uh frequently uh and I mean I'm I'm not favoring him here I do think that Figueredo not only is the better fighter overall but I think he also has the finishing power, but you're absolutely correct that Moreno has surprised us time and time again, especially in that last fight where it was very close. Um, and I could see him improving over the, the last five months. So I, I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't write him off in the slightest going into this. Eric, did you catch, uh, Valid Ishmael's comments on Embedded that he's not the assassin baby, he's the crybaby? Oh wow, that's uh, that's deep. That's deep. I, I, I missed the, that. It's but, either wow. the second or third episode, and it's as soon as the camera <laughs> is isolated on Valid. I knew this was going to be gold. <laughs> he did not disappoint. The man should be doing every every bit of public speaking on behalf of Davison Figueredo. He is he is the best. He is a manager should, right out of the seventies. They should really just follow him around for the entirety of the embedded series. I would It'll be fine get, with way more Valid for six episodes throughout the week. I would love it. Uh, focusing on the main event, another rematch, this one between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori, uh, fighting three years later in the very same arena where they fought in April of 2018. On that night, Adesanya was the victor by split decision. That was only his second UFC fight. Uh, since that time, Marvin Vittori has won his following five fights to get back to uh, ch- challenging Adesanya. And I mean, it's... I think in the lead up to this, Phil, they have tried to make this first fight much more close than it is that we typically do when it says split decision. I thought this was a fairly easy fight to score two rounds to one for 
Adesanya, but at the same time, I'm not going to discount the fact that I think Marvin Vittori is a much better fighter than he was three years ago. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. I think that fight was pretty easy to score. And so it should have been a clear uh, victory for Adesanya. Um, But there's still more to the story of that fight. Uh, Adesanya did lose the last round convincingly. Um, He was, you know, he was fading as the fight progressed. And as we saw in his last fight, Towards the end, he got controlled with the wrestling. And so I do think that it is a serious question here. If this fight goes into round four and five and Vittori can secure the takedown again, could be a big problem for Adesanya. I think that's such an interesting factor, Eric, is that Vittori came on and looked his best in that third round that we are looking at a five-round fight on Saturday night. And with Marvin Vittori, I mean, there's this is one where I think Adesanya, this is the first time, at least in his UFC tenure, that you're looking at questions like how does he bounce back from, from the loss earlier this year, returning to middleweight, and if people are sleeping on Marvin Vittori, he's only 27 years old. So when you're looking at that first fight to today, I think like it's this is a very interesting fight that maybe on paper people aren't you know jumping out of their seats looking at Marvin Vittori challenging for this title but I do feel that it represents a test for Adesanya yeah I think that's worded very well when they first announced this fight I wasn't really excited at all to be honest it feels like the top middleweight challenger is Robert Whitaker right now and this just kind of felt like a, a stop in the road for Adesanya but Earlier this week, in preparation for this weekend's card, I, I did rewatch that first fight, and I think I'm more excited for this main event coming out of that rewatch than it was beforehand. Like you said, it's very clear 29-28 for Israel Adesanya. The one judge who scored it for Vittori was insane, but you know that's that's pretty much normal on these cards. But regardless, the way that he comes on in that third round and he never stops pressuring forward, even when Adesanya is lighting him up. I think that can make for a potentially very interesting five-round fight. Do, do you look, Eric, at when it comes to Adesanya, like it was, it's amazing when you look at, you know, when he's going up to light heavyweight and it just seems like the sky is the limit for this guy. We're talking about John Jones. We're talking about heavyweight. Do you think that the loss uh, t- to Jan earlier this year, that it almost, it kind of puts things back into focus that this guy is, tailor-made for this middleweight division maybe light heavyweight is something he will revisit down the road but that is a ways away that middleweight will be his singular focus moving forward uh yeah 100 percent. i mean ahead of that jan bohovich fight when they were talking about heavyweight it, it's it was insane to me I, i'm not saying obviously israel adesanya is one of the best fighters in the world but i can't imagine him fighting stipe miocic or francis Ngannou. I think people are getting a bit ahead of themselves, and this is a a good step back into reality for one of the best fighters in the world. In a weird way, Phil, I could see that loss. You know, it's a temporary step back, but there is a silver lining to it for Adesanya. Like, could you imagine, like, if he wins that fight, I, I just don't know if it's, you know, short term, it creates all these potential big fights, but I think ultimately... I think it was a reality check. Uh, the size was a big factor in that fight. And as well for, for Marvin Vittori, like what do you take from that fight if you're Marvin Vittori, knowing the success you had in that third round where he was able to get those takedowns on Adesanya and if he can keep that pressure, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting just to look at Adesanya who had almost looked unbeatable up until this past year. And now you do have some, some intrigue given that he was somewhat humanized. 
Definitely. And and that's also what makes this uh, more intriguing than merely the fact that it's just a rematch with an improved Vittori. Um, there were the lessons that maybe Vittori can draw from the first fight and then maybe the lessons from the Blockowitz fight as well. Um, and I do agree that it is probably better for him that he lost that fight in the sh- in the short term. Well, in the short term, it would have set up some big fights. But in the long term, especially if he can get this win, it, you know, he can establish himself as one of the great middleweights of all time. And once he does that, that can open up all sorts of possibilities. So I think focusing on that um, is, is the right thing to do now in his career. Eric, who is the most likely uh, to upset Robert Whitaker's title hopes and leapfrog him to fight the winner of this? <laughs> Oh, very tough. I'd say about anybody in the top 10. Because <laughs> I take no guarantee possible because after this fight, everyone was, well, it's got to be Robert Whitaker now. I do not take no. my, exact yeah, no. same reaction as if Leon Edwards wins on Saturday night. Until they sign it on the dotted line and the and Edwards <laughs> or Whitaker are in the cage facing the champion, that is when I will accept that they have gotten their title fight. I believe Dana White had an interview earlier this week where he dropped the classic line, the classic Robert Whitaker. He just doesn't want to fight, man. It's yeah, the craziest it's like thing I've ever seen. Yeah, these guys dedicate their entire lives to fighting. They just wake up one day and say, you know what? I, I don't want to fight for the championship. It has nothing to do uh, with the fact that I don't want a four-week turnaround, that I have an unbelievable quarantine period w- given where I live. Uh, no, not, none of that. There's never any financial considerations either, like no fighter. Uh, you, you don't want to fight for this amount? You're not a fighter. I love the Dana White just did the drop-down menu of uh, – uh, into the the fighter <laughs> psyche um it's strange though because he that's sort of like a turnaround on this one like obviously he's said that type of stuff before but the first time when this fight was announced somebody asked him about Whitaker and he was actually very uh graceful in how he answered he said well well you know Whitaker just fought and he wanted more time so this is sort of like an opportunity in between like so it's I, I wonder if something has transpired in the meantime that has has gotten him sour about it well, he, he, he did seem very high on Robert Whitaker on that submission radio interview earlier this week. I mean, for all yes. intents and purposes, joking aside, like Robert Whitaker should absolutely be fighting uh, the winner of this fight. I, I guess, you know, if Vittori pulls this off, there is certainly that argument of uh, running this back immediately with Adesanya. But I mean, you have to wait to see how this fight turns out. But Whitaker, in theory, keywords in theory, would be next in line here. Uh, Nate Diaz coming back is... It's his first fight since the Jorge Masvidal fight all the way back in November of 2019. Is How big of a factor do you think this is, uh, Phil? Nate Diaz coming back in 2021 and what he means to this pay-per-view. Um, I, I, I think it's a big deal for the MMA fans. I mean, people love Nate Diaz and his brother Nick. And so people always get excited about uh, seeing them. In terms of what this does for the pay-per-view, I mean, I, I kind of – I'm sort of flabbergasted with pay-per-view predictions at this point uh, with what we've seen in the last few months uh, of, you know, just nonsense on pay-per-view. I do think he's going to be a a draw, but, you know, his last appearance was a loss. This kind of reminds me of when he uh, came back and fought Anthony Pettis uh, uh, and he wasn't the main event. It was like his thinking is he gets this win and that puts him back in a mega fight right after it. Um, this is a lot more difficult of an impo- opponent, though. Eric, for you, looking at Nate Diaz, I mean, the fact that this is going to be a – it's a non-title fight, uh, yet it will be a five-round fight. 
I see that being like the only way to look at this for, for a positive for Nate Diaz. I mean, I don't see many people picking Nate Diaz, but the extra two rounds, to me, that's only going to help Nate Diaz. Like if he is going to somehow pull something miraculous out here, it's going to be to me turning it on late in the fight. And I imagine that that's got to be the thinking here. But I mean, give Nate Diaz credit. This is a really tall task uh, that he has taken on to come back and fight Leon Edwards. And I mean, it's it's for, for Leon Edwards, I mean, a significant opponent for him that, I mean, stylistically, Edwards should win this fight. But does the five rounds change any of the calculus for you? Um, not in the slightest. I mean, Nate Diaz, <laughs> <laughs> Nate Diaz is a very, uh, has very good cardio, but his reputation as a guy who just turns it on in the fourth and fifth rounds, he's won like maybe one championship round in his entire career. That's, that's reality. He's not his brother. I, if, before the fight was initially announced, I don't know if there's a single fighter at lightweights or welterweights. I would have imagined fighting Nate Diaz less than Leon Edwards. This is this is a fight I never thought I'd see, and uh, maybe I'll be proven very wrong, but I don't see it being competitive either. I think he's going to uh, hit Nate with a lot of elbows, bust him open, and he might even get a finish. To be fair to Nate Diaz, he has made it to the fifth round all of two times in, in his career. It's primarily, like, this guy has only had... If my, Three times, yeah. What, where's the he fought he he had Benson the Connor Henderson. fight he had the Benson fight that's it right how many other five round fights has he even been in oh okay he was it well the there was uh the Masvidal fight was a five rounder it was a five rounder but they only went but three. he did yeah I thought there was one more I got I I I, I guess I'm wrong yeah I think surprise that's surprise so neither of you even entertained that Nate Diaz can even win this fight not really I mean. I mean, I I will entertain it because he's a good fighter, but he is definitely a significant underdog, and he deserves to be. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well said. Like, crazier things have happened in MMA than Nate Diaz beating Leon Edwards. It's not impossible, just improbable. So I I have a very similar feeling as I did uh, going back. uh, This was like five and a half years ago when he had a year layoff and came back to fight Michael Johnson. And this is when Michael Johnson is kind of, um, you know, he's he's in a much better position in that uh, in that lightweight division. And I thought, man, this is going to be the funeral for Nate Diaz, where a lot of fans are going to be very sad to see Nate Diaz just get walloped by this dude. And he went into that fight, and it may not have looked good early for Nate Diaz, uh, but he comes back, he wins that by decision. I was completely stunned. And that pivots him, that, that famous post-fight interview mm-hmm. that ends up, he gets the replacement uh, to fight Conor McGregor several months later. And it's, you know, the career-making year for Nate Diaz is 2016. Uh, now, again, this is five and a half years later. Nate's 36. I'm certainly not picking him to win this fight. But, man, I've been proven wrong in the past with, with Nate Diaz when I've underestimated the game passing him by uh, when it clearly had not in 2015. And to be fair, we've kind of seen Leon Edwards slow down a bit in five-round fights before uh, against Rafael Dos Anjos and even Donald Cerrone. So perhaps there's something to that. Well, I would say just for for fan interest, in the event of a Nate Diaz win, I think it just throws a grenade into the title plans at 170 pounds because a Nate Diaz win, I think he has the potential of leapfrogging just about anyone up to and including 
Colby Covington. And if you're Kamaru Usman with his style against a name like Nate Diaz, dude, he's signing that contract the second Nate Diaz is out of the octagon on Saturday. Undoubtedly. But I I feel like Nate Diaz might not even make that call out. Let's let's go theoretically he wins. We're we're really playing fantasy here. He wins and he has some epic uh, post-fight. I think he calls out the winner of Poirier versus Connor. You're probably right. Like he has made it very clear, like a, a title is not in his, you know, that's that's not what is guiding his his career continuing at the at the stage of things. And I think you're right. You're looking at, you know, the option of fighting Kamaru Usman. It's, you know, Nate Diaz is the A side of that equation. Uh, fighting a Poirier or fighting Connor, it's just night and day. So I I think you're right. You know, another weird pairing that I think would do outstanding. Uh, just in terms of interest because of the dynamics involved would be Nate Diaz and Colby Covington. But again, that's a very bad fight for Nate Diaz. A very bad fight, but you're right. That would get a lot of attention. If, if this is, do you guys see Nate, uh, again, win or lose, uh, do you see him sticking around at, at welterweight? Do you like this weight class for him, Eric? I don't like the weight class for him. I think he, uh, fits better at 155, but, at the same time, I don't see him ever cutting that weight again. There, there's no point at this point. Like, as you said, he, he doesn't seem like he's that interested in championships. And if he's not interested in fighting for the late, lightweight championship, why do that weight cut? You can fight guys like Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor at 170. They will agree. Phil, in terms of the top three fights, how many decisions do you think we're getting? How many are going the distance? One. One? You think we're going to Yes. Get- who do you see getting stoppages? I think I can see I can see Figgy 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 getting the finish. Very possible. Um, and uh, I, I think I think Leon Edwards is going to bust up that eye a little bit too much, and they're, they're, Nate Diaz isn't going to be able to make it to rounds four and five. I can certainly see um, Adesanya and Vittori going the, going the full five. I mean, there's the potential all three could go the full five. I don't think that's uh, out of the realm of possibility either. Yeah. I mean, I can see a finish maybe in the middleweight fight, it, like depending on how much Adesanya can catch uh, Vittori coming in. But yeah, if, if Vittori can weather that storm and turn it into a wrestling match, it definitely has the potential to go five rounds. Um, we talked about the Edwards fight. You know, that could go five rounds, even though that's not what I just predicted. Um, you know, hopefully we won't be on air at uh, two in the morning, John. Yeah, it could be three. Um, we've <laughs> also got Damian Maya and Bilal Muhammad. Damian Maya is kind of on the fence right now if he's going to fight again after this. It, it may not. If if this were to be his final fight, it's it's quite the career that uh, Damian Maya has had. And for Bilal Muhammad, I mean hardly a layup that he's got here coming off that no contest with uh leon edwards um this is you know i don't care at what age damian maya is fighting at uh the fact is this dude you know he's coming off the loss to gilbert burns but before that i mean three wins prior to that it's uh a very interesting stylistic fight eric 
A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even at his current age, what, 43 years old or however old Damien is, he's still a tough matchup. He's still a ranked welterweight for a reason. I like this fight. I think it's going to be really interesting and it's harder to call than it might look on paper with the veteran against the guy kind of rising through the ranks. I think Maya has a chance in this one, but I still lean towards Blumhamid. I was looking this up. So Damien Maya in his career, he has 10 losses. Listen to these names, okay? These are the people that can claim victories over Damian Maya. Nate Marquardt, Anderson Silva, Mark Munoz, Chris Weidman, Jake Shields, Rory McDonald, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns. That's a pretty stacked list. If you're going to have 10 losses on your record, that's probably the nicest list you can possibly show someone as context for those 10 losses. Yeah, I mean, he's had a hell of a career. He's been in championship contention for, what, over a decade now? So when you look through his resume, he's pretty much only fought the best of the best throughout his UFC run. Uh, just quickly taking a glance at the undercard, a few fights that stand out. Uh, one of importance is Joanne Calderwood and Lauren Murphy. Uh, this could provide the next victory for Valentina Shevchenko, uh, whoever comes out <laughs> victorious on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, and we've also got uh, Brad Riddell, training partner of Israel Adesanya taking on Drew Dober. Uh, what What's standing out for you, Eric, uh, underneath? I think the one that you just said, Dober versus Riddell, that has uh, some fight of the night uh, potential there. Murphy and Calderwood's important for the reasons you outlined. Uh, what else do we have here? We have Hakeem Dawadu. He's returning against uh, Mozvar Ivalov. I'm pretty high on Dawadu. He, he's been a good fighter for the most part. I think, um, what was it, a couple performances ago where he fought uh i'll look it up yoshinori hori yeah with the tko with the head kick that was that was his best performance and after i watched that i was like okay this guy really does have the potential to go through the division he's won his last five fights i think he's someone to keep an eye out uh, on the prelims here phil anything on the undercard you want to touch on um, just outside of uh, everything that uh, you two mentioned, uh, Chase Hooper is also on this card. A uh, very young, interesting submission fighter. Uh, he got uh, a win in his last fight, and uh, he's he's a unique fighter with a lot of. He's rough around the edges, but he's got a lot of potential and opportunity to grow. And so, I'm curious to see uh, what he's done in the last few months. Yeah, he's got to come out and avenge his dad's loss to Jake Paul. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> did both of you watch the fight on Sunday? I did not. I did, yes. You did? I watched it, yes. Yes, I did. Any surprising takes that you took away from that uh, the eight-round circus? Um, I will say these, the Logan Paul came in very good shape, and he was very well coached. Um, so, I mean, he kind of actually surprised me. I mean, I know he didn't do much in there. But he didn't bite on the feints early, and and he had enough energy to he kind of won the last round. I'd have to go back and watch it, but I remember that he beat Floyd to the punch several times in the last round. And so, I mean, look, it wasn't a you know it was a Floyd exhibition that he doesn't prepare for against the two hundred pound guy. But um, I mean, Logan Paul definitely took it seriously, and uh, so that was actually kind of surprising. Where do you go from that for, for Logan Paul? I mean, he comes out of this with the bragging of lasting eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Like this experiment continues, but where, where do you go next? Do you, it's, it's kind of a weird pivot of where you go after 
doing this exhibition? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly no real bigger names in the boxing. I mean, you know, they've been trying to call out Connor. Um, but if, so, I mean, that's something that maybe down the road that could happen. Uh, Logan's, of course, made appearance at WrestleMania. Maybe there's more he can do in the that world. Um, there's the potential for a Jake Paul, Logan Paul fight. I'm sure that would generate all sorts of nonsense. But I think the the quote unquote fight to make is if Jake Paul is able to win his next fight, you do Floyd versus Jake Paul. That's just sort of what I seem to would I don't know what I would put together if I was uh, you know one of the Ringling Brothers. What's your interest level, Eric, in in Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley in the summer? Um, about the same as my interest level in all the rest of these Paul brother fights, which is a zero. Wow. I, I, I'm more intrigued to see that one um, than I, I had none for this past weekend. Uh, but yeah. for, for Woodley and Jake Paul, like I will, I will probably uh, pay for my ticket to the circus for that one. Oh boy! Yeah, I'm sorry, Eric. But you can have forty-year-old Tyron Woodley with arthritis in his hands. Yeah, what if hell of a night? What What if Jake Paul calls out Yaroslav Amasov? Uh, who interestful. <laughs> This is this is like a a very good fight that Bellator has on Friday night, but I think this is more indicative. Like if you are in the MMA bubble, everyone is uh, aware of this fight. But to me, Bellator, like this this card on Friday night, to me shows what the ceiling is of Bellator when you have a bigger UFC card and just a reality of where Bellator is in the general conversation. Like, this is a great title fight with Douglas Lima and Amasov. Paul Daly is fighting. Aaron Pico is fighting. Like, this is this is as quality a Bellator card as you're going to get. But, Eric, it's I, I, I just think that there is so much UFC that – over all of these years of Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, like that is what the general fans consumption of MMA is. It's UFC and not a whole lot of appetite for anything beyond that. It's going to be your your diehard fan, your Eric Marcotte, so to speak. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah, the UFC is pretty much a weekly product at this point. I mean, how many weekends throughout the year aren't they running a fight card? That's not even counting the contender series cards, uh, the ultimate fighters back. There's so much UFC content. That's hard for uh, a Bellator card, which is, you know, going to take up a minimum of like three hours of your time if you're only watching the main card to catch that casual fan's interest. And in terms of name value, it's not really there as good as the fighters are. Like, as you said, Douglas Lima versus Amazon, that's a great fight. Uh, they have AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull coming up. That's a fantastic that's fight. That's a huge fight for them, yeah. But it's not going to get them out of the position they're in now. I mean, you've got Nick Newell on the prelims, and it's uh, – I don't sense any buzz for, for Nick Newell uh, fighting on, on Friday night. So anyway, Eric, you will be um, covering Bellator though for the site. I will. John, so John, I'm glad that you uh, brought that up because I, I have been asking uh, uh, Eric this, and as we know, there was a big PFL card last night, and – I've actually been more interested in the PFL this season. I think they've done a better job of building stars. And just from your perspective, I know that, you know, Post does coverage of Bellator. What do you think it would take to A, either include PFL coverage? And I mean, what would it take for them to include PFL coverage for Post or to surpass Bellator, perhaps, and to take over coverage in that regard? This is sort of weird theoretical question. 
I mean, I, I kind of have to gauge it based on like, like, I just don't get any feedback on, on PFL. So, I mean, it's not to say like I'm uh, against the idea of it, but it's, you know, you're right. Like I think PFL and Bellator, it's like, they're very close in scope. And I think that PFL, like personally, I've been following this season and I think it's, you know, there, there are a lot of elements I enjoy about PFL. Um, but to me, it's just, it's such a drop-off, I think, of interest. Like, I think for a site like ours, it's already very heavily focused on pro wrestling. And I would say that the, like, MMA, you know, it's it's probably, what, 75-25. And once you're you're even splitting it that much more when you're taking out UFC from the, the equation. So I just think it's not a whole lot of great demand for that coverage. Even though I think PFL, you could argue this week with uh, Clarissa Shields, it's uh, between her and Kayla Harrison, like those are two very marketable stars that PFL has that I'm, I'm curious if PFL is kind of able to, to grow upon that and people getting into the, just to their format of having the points and such that, you know, they've, they've gone through several seasons now. Uh, I think, I think they're doing it like in a pretty easy to follow way. Like I, I will say this watching those early Bellator tournaments, like when they had multiple tournaments going on all at once, it was insane to try and keep track of who is in this tournament, injury replacements. You had a dozen tournaments going on at the same time. PFL, it's like it's a pretty straightforward process. They fight several times a year, and then we have the playoffs, and then on New Year's Eve we we crown a winner. Um, it's just it goes back to the point of what what is the demand out there for non UFC MMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's, it's it's just I wonder what they can do to, to continue to grow. Um, I think they've done a good job and I, I'm surprised they don't put it out there more that they've, you know, paid out 12 million dollars or whatever it is in terms of tournament winners. That's a huge amount of money. And, you know, with all the talk about, you know, who's getting paid in MMA, I promote that more. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, is it going to be a sustainable plan for them? Because I will Mm -hmm. guarantee like they are not making that money back on live event ticket sales or their ESPN plus deal. Yeah. It does sound like they're hoping for something better down the line. And and yeah, they have a lot of investment money. Like they, they've made all those announcements. Like they, they've been able to raise a lot of capital with the idea. I think this is like everyone's play is that, you know, you've seen these, it's gigantic, uh, streaming and television deal that the UFC has and other combat sports groups that are hoping to land their own giant deal. And it's, you know, putting that, investing that money with the hope that you'll land that gigantic deal that this all pays off for itself. And that's, I, I think, honestly, like Kayla Harrison, it's going to be a very interesting decision at the end of the year. She's said her contract is up and she could stay in the PFL and make really good money. Or she could go to the UFC and, you know, she will invariably not be making a million dollars, but she will be fighting the top women and there's a larger ceiling there. But, I mean, there's there's certainly an argument for someone that just wants to stay in PFL and someone like a Lance Palmer has won two of these tournaments with, you know, that's, that's sizable, life-changing money. I do think if the UFC, if... Kayla Harrison left the PFL and went to the UFC, it would only be for a big fight main event type promotional thing where she probably would make a million dollars in a fight. I I would think, because why else would she go? I mean, just to prove she's the best in the world. I mean, 
Maybe, maybe that, but that doesn't seem to be what's motivating her right now. Well, we are going to wrap things up, guys. I want to thank you very much for this uh, preview show. Phil and I are going to be live right after the pay-per-view up at youtube.com slash post-wrestling. And Phil, during the fights, where is the place to be for the post-wrestling world? Oh, it's definitely in the MMA boxing chat in the post-wrestling Discord, which you can join at postwrestling.com slash Discord. Uh, our man Eric and myself are there most fight cards and we certainly will be this pay-per-view uh eric will be running fight predictions we have a fight prediction leaderboard um throughout the entire year um so you can uh, join in the fun there it's an added level of excitement to the event and yeah we'll be there through almost the entire card so join us on saturday night and eric will have you covered he'll have reports for uh, bellator coming up on friday night and then UFC 263 on Saturday night. So uh, what what all are you going to be watching this weekend, Eric? Because there, there's a ton of fight cards on this week. Um, I'll be watching uh, Bellator and the UFC. And I watch those cards in their entirety. And that's that's 10 plus hours of MMA. That's enough for me this week, I think. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a good amount. I uh, I mean, Invicta's got a show. We've got uh, the PFL last night, as, as we were discussing. Uh, yeah. A, lo- a lot of stuff coming up this weekend. So keep it locked to postwrestling.com. We'll have the post show live right after UFC 263 running through all of the fights. Uh, and that is it for us. Thank you very much. Uh, you can follow these two. Eric, where's the best place to send everybody to check out your work? If you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is EricMarcott705. And just come talk to me on the Discord. That's where I'm the most active. It's the best place to be. And Phil, when's the podcast coming back? That You know, you're the second person in two days who've at, who's asked me that. Um, be honest. You, you hit such a high point. Uh, your last guest, it's been really hard to follow. I can understand that thinking, but I, I think you should, uh, you know, someone, someone needs to be up, up to the chore of trying to follow, um, a monumental interview. So first of all, uh, you say all of that facetiously, but I, I would repeat it in complete earnesty. I'm so happy with that show. And if that were my last show, then that would be fine. Um, but the reality is, uh, unfortunately, towards the uh, middle of last year, I had a, a, a lot of cancellations uh, and I was also working on some other pro- um, another some stories that I talked to you about that are a little bit bigger than a regular podcast. And, and so those are still in the work. So there is a plan to do something in the future. I just can't announce when um, the, sh- the show is not dead yet. Um, but, uh, but, uh, unfortunately nothing to report, but Hey, look, we've got a, a podcast coming up on uh Saturday night, Sunday morning. So, uh, there's that to look forward to if the, if the fans love my voice that much. All right. And with that, we'll let you all know that it all goes down in the discord. So go check it out. <laughs> Postwrestling.com button takes you right there. And then you can get the unfiltered Phil chair talk and Eric Marcotte where they are 24 seven usually having to deal with Brandon from New Jersey. So that is it for us. Thanks to li- thanks for everybody for listening and we will speak with you Saturday night after UFC 263.